Welcome to Socialette, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in launching and online marketing. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a corporate dropout turned launch strategist, helping you launch your digital products simply and successfully so you can reach more people, grow your audience, and become the go-to brand in your space. Want to swipe my signature launch framework? Download my free ebook, The Complete Roadmap for a Killer Launch at stephtaylor.co forward slash roadmap. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Hey, welcome back to Socialette. This is episode 421. Today, I'm so excited to welcome back one of my favorite guests that I've ever had on this podcast, Amy Porterfield. She has been an incredible mentor, and I've learned so much from her over the last couple of years since I first came across her back in 2017. She is the literal course creation queen. She has created eight of her own successful digital courses. She's taught 48,000 students and her business has generated over $43 million in revenue. So yeah, she, she knows a thing or two about digital course creation. In today's episode, I'm really excited to chat to Amy about how the pandemic has impacted the digital course space, as well as her opinion on whether she thinks digital courses are too saturated, because that's something I've been hearing quite a lot lately. We're also diving into how you can overcome the overwhelm that might creep in while you're creating your first digital course. And a couple of Amy's biggest tips on how you can get started creating a digital course if you're really tight on time. This episode is absolutely jam-packed with value. Amy has over-delivered as usual, so I'm super, super excited for you to jump into this one. Now, Amy is running a free masterclass next week called Five Little Known Mistakes That Most Course Creators Make and what to do instead. And in this masterclass, she's sharing the big mistakes that she's learned along the way, along her 12 years of digital course experience. You can register for that at stephtaylor.co forward slash Amy Masterclass. I'll also pop the link in the show notes and you can click on that to register for Amy's free masterclass. All right, let's jump into today's episode. I know you're going to absolutely love listening to Amy. Amy Porterfield, welcome back to Socialette. I'm so incredibly excited to have you here for a second time. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. And I'm such a fan of everything you do. So I feel just so honored to be here. And the feeling is mutual. And I think a lot of my listeners would probably say the same about you. They really love your approach and they love how just nice you are in your approach. And yeah, so they're really excited to learn a little bit more from you. I think it would be really appropriate to jump in with a slightly different question to what I asked in our last interview two years ago, because the whole world has changed and I can imagine the world of digital courses has changed. So I'd love to know from your perspective, how has COVID and the pandemic impacted the digital course world? Oh, I, I love this question because it really has impacted the digital course world. So here's the thing. Digital courses have been on the 
uh, climb for a long time now. So two, three years ago, I've seen so much growth year after year. But what happened during COVID is that people that normally wouldn't have even thought about purchasing a digital course were now in a situation where they didn't really have a different alternative. Like they were stuck at home. They couldn't travel. In-person stuff had gotten canceled. They wanted to learn a new hobby or possibly something for their job. And digital course just made sense during COVID. So more and more people were open-minded to engaging with the digital course and then realized, wait a second, this is cheaper than doing it, you know, out into out in the world, easier to access, faster to access, and you could do it on your own time in sweatpants. Like, hello, yes. So <laughs> the digital course world exploded during COVID. And I watch it closely because it's my job to do so. And I have not seen it go backwards. I really do believe it's just continuing to climb. More and more people are open-minded to learning through courses. Mm, I love that. What about from the creator's side? Have you seen any trends with people creating digital courses? Yes. Okay, so I've seen more and more people create digital courses. Now, during COVID, there was this sense of, oh my goodness, I need to pivot. I need to create a digital course. Like, let me give you an example. One of my students, she actually had a brick and mortar. She taught um, people that were on Broadway. Like some of her clients were in Hamilton. Like it was just insane cool. like, clientele. But she, you had to go into her studio in New York and you would learn from these different instructors. And then COVID happened and then Broadway shut down. And so she decided, I'm going to open this up into digital courses and I'm going to open it up to the world. And so now, and she has not gone back in the sense of she's kept her digital courses open, where now people from all around the world get to learn from her. And now she's got writers and producers, including dancers and singers from Broadway. So it's completely changed her world. And I've seen this over and over and over again, where people that typically taught in one way, they did one-on-one consulting, coaching, service-based business, and then they realized, wait a second, I want a different or an additional stream of revenue. So they've created digital courses. But I need to include in that conversation that when I say that, a lot of people will say, but Amy... Do you think too many people are creating digital courses now? <laughs> is, is it too saturated? I'm sure you hear that too. Yes, that was going to be one of my questions I was going to ask you today. So yeah, what is your opinion on that? Okay, good. So uh, I, I've heard it a lot. And my opinion on that is absolutely not. So many people out in the world want to learn, whether it be a hobby, or like I said, something for their business or their personal life. And there's more than one way to teach it. So I never believe that it is too saturated to create a digital course because you are going to create a digital course and market it in a unique way. Whether you like it or not, you have different stories and different ways of teaching and a different personality than anyone else. Meaning whether you like it or not, you're going to do it different. So don't argue with me. I promise you there's enough room for everybody out there. I never, ever look at the world like it's too saturated. And I and you, we're in a market where we have a lot of competition. Mm. But I always say, be a racehorse. So a racehorse uh, has blinders on. Their their owners will put blinders on them during the race. They can't look left. They can't look right. They can only look forward so that they stay in their lane. 
And it, in, in our world, that means if you put blinders on, if you be like a racehorse, you're not comparing yourself to everybody. You're not looking left. You're not looking right. You're looking toward your goals and you're looking at the people you serve. And being a racehorse has helped me immensely. And I teach it to my students as well. Yes. I love that. I, I love to compare digital courses to like, if somebody says there's too many digital courses, I'm like, well, are there too many books? Are there too many coaches? Thank you. It's just, they're like the vehicle. Italian restaurants? There's yeah. never be too many never. restaurants. Never. It's the vehicle, right? It's the vehicle for somebody learning and getting that transformation that they want. And yeah, like there's going to be, they're bad books. There are bad books out there and there will be subpar courses, but for a good course that solves a really good problem or delivers that really good transformation, there's always going to be a need for that. So I'm so glad you clarified that. That was amazing. So Amy, with obviously with the pandemic and COVID and everyone shifting to the digital course world, there's so much new opportunity. But on the flip side, are there any new hazards that people need to be aware of? Any tripping hazards? Ooh, such a great question. Yes. So one of the tripping hazards is that when someone creates a digital course, they, the first time digital course creator tends to think that they need to throw everything and the kitchen sink into their digital course. And it happens because people feel as though if you're going to charge for it, it's got to be amazing and you better show that you know your stuff. And so what happens is they start putting everything they know into their digital course and they first have overwhelmed themselves as the course creator. And number two, they're overwhelming those they serve. So what I always say is let's uh, hold back or let's prune some of the stuff that you're thinking about creating in your course. And the way you do that is you keep, you have the end in mind. And what I mean by that is what is the result that you want to promise in your digital course? What's the result that you're promising? And get very specific about what it is that you're promising. Now, a lot of times um, you might have to think about that and kind of go to the drawing table and kind of play around with it and tweak it a bit. But once you know what you want to for them to accomplish in your course, now you start working backwards and you start putting together the content. One of the pieces I teach in my program, Digital Course Academy, is once you've got all that content together, let's say in a really fleshed out outline, one of the steps is to prune. So you go through and you ask yourself, do they absolutely need to know this in order to get the results that I'm promising? And a lot of the times the answer is no. So it's it, you got to pull it back so that you don't overwhelm yourself and you get your course done faster and you don't overwhelm those you serve. Mm, yes, I love that. Because that's actually something I noticed so much with I, definitely my audience, and I'm sure you see this with your audience as well, is that they think that their first course has to be that big signature course, and then they try and jam everything they know into it. But yeah, it so, ends up being so overwhelming for them and for their audience. Nah. So do you recommend that your first course is a signature course, or should somebody start with something smaller instead, maybe? So I would rather my first time course creators start with either what I call a starter course, which is this um, like a beginner 101 course where you're helping your audience just start to get momentum in that area where they want results. So you're not promising huge results, but you're promising that they can get started with the right steps to get them toward the bigger results that they want. So think of it as like a 101 basics type course. And they're wildly popular because a lot of people just don't even know where to start and they don't want to be overwhelmed. So I love a starter course, but my favorite is a spotlight course. 
A spotlight course is where you take one area of your expertise and you drill down and really get specific in that one area. So let me give you an example. One of my students, Hunter, he's a licensed cosmetologist, so a hairstylist, a makeup artist, and an educator. And he knows a lot about his profession. And um, he's really good in all these different areas. However, this one area that he saw a very big challenge in and knew he could solve it was this idea that stylists were struggling to make enough money without completely burning themselves out. Um, and he, he realized that even some of the hairstylists secretly wished they had chosen a different profession because they were so burned out. And so he decided he was going to teach them how to streamline their customer experience so they could scale their business behind the chair and still have a life. And so this is just one area, this customer experience area, even though he knew a lot about being a hairstylist and a makeup artist. So he created this one course, his very first launch, he made 25 thousand dollars. Now, if you think about a hairstylist working on their feet to make $25,000, that's a lot of time on your feet, which is very exhausting. So the fact that he now has an additional, he loves being a hairstylist, but an additional stream of revenue, that makes all the difference. But he chose a spotlight course, one area of his expertise, and he went deep. And I know that's partly why it was so successful, because it grabbed people's attention instantly. Yes. Thank you so much for clarifying that because I think it's just way too common that everyone's like, oh, but it has to replace all of the client work that I'm doing. So my my listeners are predominantly in service-based businesses and they're really good at what they do. And they think that if they want to start to replace that client income with digital course income, that the digital course has to take them through the exact same process that they take the, all of their clients through. It has to deliver the exact same outcomes. So I'm really glad that you clarified that. Thank you, Amy. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your story because your story is very interesting and actually not too different to a lot of the people who are just starting out now with digital courses. I'd love to know like, what inspired you to get into creating that first digital course and how did you go from that first course to being the digital course creation queen? Okay, so what inspired me to create my very first course? Well, when I, so I was in corporate for uh, all my life up until my 30s. And um, my last corporate job was with Tony Robbins, and I was there for about six and a half years. And I, I, I wanted to leave my corporate job, even though it was an amazing job, paid well. I got to work with Tony. I mean, come on, it gets so, that's great. But I wanted to be my own boss. So initially, the idea of quitting corporate and doing my own thing, I wanted to call the shots. I wanted to decide when I work, how I work, where I work. And I just didn't want to have a boss anymore. So that propelled me out into entrepreneurship. However, I thought I was going to create courses right from the get-go because I got to learn how to create courses when I still was working for Tony. But I got out to the world and I thought, wait a second, I don't know enough to create my own course, so I better take some clients. So I did a bunch of one-on-one work. And I did that for two years where I did social media for small businesses. And I hated it. And so I built a business that I hated. And I know so many of my students love the one-on-one work they do, and they just want to supplement their income with a digital course. I wanted to get rid of all the one-on-one work and just sell digital courses. And so I, two years in, I thought, I need to change this. This is not working for me. And so I created my first digital course, finally. 
And it was a huge failure. I mean, $267. And uh, the course was $297. But when you subtract expenses, I actually was in the red. And so basically, I realized, wait a second, that I really missed the mark. And here's why that first course didn't work. The first course didn't work because I created a course based on an area that I wasn't an expert. So let's talk about that for just a second, because a lot of people that see right now in your audience, they are very much experts in what they do. So let's define what an expert is. An expert is somebody who has gotten results in an area, um, any area, personal or business, and they know the roadmap in terms of how they got there. And they're willing to share that roadmap or they've gotten results for their clients and now they're willing to show the share the roadmap of how they got those results. And so they're an expert, but all you need is a 10% edge to be that expert for a digital course, meaning 10% ahead of those you serve because they want to know what you know. They want the roadmap. You've got it. So you've got to be 10% out ahead of those you serve, and you had to have gotten results for yourself. I hadn't gotten results for myself with my first course. I was teaching how to launch a book with social media. I knew social media really well. I had never launched a book in my entire life. (laughs) when, When I went to sell it, you could tell that I was like, oh, I feel very shaky here. And so I think I did that because I was desperate. I thought, I got to get something out there. I got to do this. I'll just do social media for book launches. Very bizarre that I chose that, but I did. But here's the thing. How did I get to today, which is almost 13 years later, a multi-million dollar business and um, a a business that I absolutely love. And again, calling the shots, working when I want, where I want, how I want. And the way I got there is that I didn't let that first launch define me. I didn't let that first launch mean that I wasn't cut out to be an entrepreneur, that I probably should go back to my nine to five job, and I'm not as good as I maybe thought I would be at this. Now, here's the secret, though. I thought all those thoughts, like when it didn't work out, I thought all of those. But then I had to take a moment and say, hold on. Why do I want this so bad? Why do I want to create this business and have success with these digital courses? And I went back to my why, which is I want to call the shots and do my own thing. So I got back up and I tried it again. And each time I got better and better. Now I teach it because I want people to be able to hit success right out of the gate. And I didn't have a course like the one I've created teaching people exactly how to create a course from scratch and launch it. So that's why I do what I do today, which has got me here. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, you've made them, you've, you've created the most amazing system. Like I, so I, I actually did your, your courses that convert back when Digital Course Academy was courses that convert. Oh, I and <laughs> I've started create. Yeah. I, so I was a very similar story to you where I was also working with clients and my very first course was a course about Facebook ads. And I, created that with courses that convert. And that first launch ended up being like a $10,000 launch with a not very big audience. So I think that that speaks to how amazing your system is. And it's only got better since you built Digital Course Academy. Um, I really love that, Amy. So with um, let's go back to the, um, the expert talk, because I know that a lot of my audience is in that situation where they want to create that digital course, but they're telling themselves that they're not enough of an expert. If they haven't worked with any clients yet or they haven't got the results for themselves or for somebody else, what would you recommend is the first step for them then? Okay, so 
They want to create a digital course, but they haven't gotten results for themselves or for somebody else in the area that they want to teach. Yeah. Yes. So here's what I would do. Number one, I would start creating content in this area that you are most interested in and the area where you'd like to create a course in in the future. One of the things that's going to help you grow your audience is starting to put out original content, whether it be a blog post every week or a podcast or a live video that you do on IG or Facebook. It's important that you start creating that content. Now, in addition to that, you want to make sure that you get results for yourself or for somebody else. And so with that, you want to make sure that you are moving toward that, whether you work with people for free and you help them get results in exchange for a testimonial. It's not even something that you have to have been paid for or been. Yeah, you don't have to been paid for in order to say, hey, I got these results and I can show you how. But let me like give you a little bit of a different take on this. One of my students, her name is Nell, and she actually is um, a copywriter and a video producer in her business. However, she had this hobby, which was turning clay into plates and dishes and pots. And she loved, loved, loved learning this. But she wouldn't say she was necessarily an expert in it. It was just a hobby she absolutely loved. Now, she could have taught it because she could teach people exactly what she did to get the results she got. However, she did something creative, and I just kind of want to float this by. I think this will land with someone listening. What she did is she took Digital Course Academy, my program, and then she went to her instructor who taught her how to, it's called throw clay pots. And she's this woman was a little bit older, wasn't really into technology at all, but an amazing instructor. And so my my client, my student, her name is Nell, Nell went to her instructor and said, listen, would you be willing to teach on camera and I will do all the rest. I'll create the curriculum. I'll decide on the modules and the lessons. I'll put together our marketing campaign to launch it. But would you be willing to teach in it? Because I don't really want to teach it. And her instructor said, yes. And together they created this course and made $33,000 the first time they ever launched it. And so this is a unique situation where Nell didn't want to be the teacher, so she was resourceful and found a different way. Not typically what most of my students do, but I thought it was brilliant. So that leads me to one more thing I want to share. If you feel like, you know, Amy, I don't have results in this area that I want to teach, I will say I am sure you have results in different areas of your life. You don't have to choose the thing you get paid for to actually teach. Um, One of my students is really great at always filling up her Airbnb. That's not her nine to five job, but she's really good at her Airbnb. She created a course to teach how to do it. Another one of my students, she works from the road. She has a camper, she's or an RV, and her and her husband get to travel the world, and she's an assistant, and she works from her RV. So she created a course on how to work from wherever. She took her own experiences and put it into a digital course. You have results. You have experiences. I believe everyone has a digital course or two in them. So I want you to dig a little bit deeper if you feel like you don't have anything to create. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And it's so funny because so many people... Uh, so many people come to me and they're like, Steph, I'm a digital marketer, but every digital marketer out there is launching a course and it's just so saturated and everyone's doing courses around the same topic as me. So that's a really fresh take on how you can use those skills to 
create a course that is different. I love that. Now, I can imagine when you were launching the social media for book launches course, you probably felt a little bit of imposter syndrome because you didn't have those results. Has there been a time since launching that course, maybe in more recent launches where that imposter syndrome has crept up? Oh, yeah. I 13 years in and I still experience it. And here's where it typically it typically rears its ugly head. When I feel as though I should be doing better than I'm doing, I tend to f- hear myself saying, wait a second, you shouldn't have done that better. Or are you really the best person to be teaching this? Or you you are not doing it as good as someone else. Like I'll compare myself to someone else. And whenever you compare yourself to someone else, you usually don't stack up. That's just how your brain works. <laughs> and so I think it's just a normal part of entrepreneurship. But the other thing I want to say to that and how I overcome it is number one, um, imposter syndrome, like the proper definition. Well, I shouldn't say proper. One of the definitions of imposter syndrome is this idea that you're not enough despite evidence of your success, meaning we've all had success and we tend to forget about that and think we've never done anything good. And all of a sudden we start pooping all over ourselves. (laughs) Yes. Right away, I remind myself of the successes I've had in my entire life. All the way back, this is silly, I'll even remember like In junior high, I got the Spirit Award. It was for having a great attitude, and I'm so proud of that. And I start way back in junior high and remind myself, I got the Spirit Award back there. I had something special back then, and I still have something special now. Like I need to do these pep talks almost on a daily basis, especially when I'm launching. But the other thing I'll say is really look at your expectations. So when you set goals and maybe you don't reach those goals, uh, right away you think, oh, wait, maybe I'm not good enough. And if you look at that number you set, like a revenue goal, I often have to say, like, where did you get that number? Why is that like the end all be all? And can we look at some other things that happened really well in this launch that could still contribute to that? So what I'm saying here is it's always a mind game for me. I'm always redirecting my thoughts to a thought that can serve me because I can go down that negative road really fast. Oh, we all can, can't we? Isn't it sad how we're just so hard on ourselves? But I've noticed this. I think it must be a common thing with entrepreneurs and just high achievers in general that we are that hard on ourselves. Now, Amy, I have a few audience questions for you. So the other day I put up an Instagram story sticker and I asked my audience if they had any questions they wanted to ask you. And I got a lot of responses. So I picked four that I thought would be really relevant to most of my listeners. And the first one is, what are your biggest tips for someone who's feeling overwhelmed creating a digital course? Oh, I love this question. Okay. So my tip for someone who's creating a digital course is tip that I, a tip that I actually got from Anne Lamont, who is an author, uh, one of my favorite authors. And she wrote this book called Bird by Bird. And the book is all about how to be a writer. 
But I'm going to take that advice and put it toward a digital course. When her little brother was super overwhelmed about creating a book report on birds and he left it to the very, very last minute and he had books and pens and papers all strewn over the table and he was crying and frustrated because he waited to the last minute and he couldn't write this report. Her writer father said to his son, he said, son, let's just do this bird by bird. And when I think about a digital course, you've got to just take it action by action by action, meaning that you're not going to be able to do all the things you need to do at once. So in Digital Course Academy, one of the most popular resources I have is what we call the DCA project plan, where I have literally laid out in stages step-by-step, action-item-by-action-item, so you can cross it out as you go. So what I say to someone who's overwhelmed, let's take one action at a time and every day work toward crossing them off. I promise you, you will get to that finish line a whole lot faster versus thinking you need to do all of it at once. Love it. And the next question from my audience was, for somebody who's really tight on time, they're really busy, maybe um, maybe they're side hustling, maybe they're creating their course alongside a full-time job. What are your biggest tips for creating a digital course while you've got a million other things going on? Ooh, okay. So if you've got a million other things going on, what I would do is, first of all, create a spotlight or a signature course. I want you to create a course that going for like a signature course when you have so much else going on, it's just too overwhelming for you as a course creator. Another thing is keep, um, keep it simple and get fancy later. What I mean by that is for this first launch, we're not going to do a lot of bells and whistles. You don't need to be reading scripts and direct to camera and on camera the whole time. Let's use audio and slides and let's not do a big production. Let's not make it super fancy because that's not what your customers want anyway. They want results and the fastest way to get to those results. So stripping down some of the bells and whistles, creating a simpler program, and knowing that you always can make it better. So one of the philosophies I teach my students is that we're going to create one digital course and then launch it over and over and over again. Now, that means that you're not constantly reinventing the wheel, which slows any entrepreneur down and makes it really hard to make consistent revenue. But what you can do is every time you launch, you make your course better and you make your marketing better. Digital Course Academy is a stellar program. Was it this good three years ago? It was good, but it wasn't as good as it is now. We always get better. So allow yourself the room to get better. Yeah. And I mean, I can, I can speak as well to how, how much it changed when it went from courses that convert to Digital Course Academy and then how much it's evolved because I've been in Digital Course Academy since day one. And every time I jump in there, like, Every year or so, I jump in and I'll refresh my memory a little bit. And I'm like, oh, this has changed. This is new. This is cool. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Amy, what's your, what's your opinion on if somebody's really busy, what's your opinion on them launching their course and then maybe creating it week by week or teaching oh. it live via Zoom week by week? Okay. Yes and yes. So the way I teach my students is that we first launch it, then we create it because I think it takes a lot of stress off. And knowing you made money for a course you're creating is the ultimate validation. 
So I'm all about launching it and then delivering it week by week by week, which is usually module by module by module so that you don't have to create it all at once. A lot of my students are creating the first module and then it goes live. And while people are going through module one, they're putting together module two that week. And it's just week by week. Also, I love the idea of delivering it live. When you deliver your course live, let's say week by week, the beauty of that is people aren't looking for perfection. And if you're not pre-recording it, you don't have to edit anything because you're live. When you pre-record things, you typically will edit out the mistakes. You don't have to when you're live and people expect mistakes. So it actually makes it easier. Yeah. And you get that two-way conversation. So you can find out what questions they have and you can clarify it as you go, which is awesome. And I also love, I, I taught my last course live and I love that there's the deadline because for those of us who are sometimes prone to procrastination or prone to waiting for the sun, the moon and the stars to align before we're ready to do something, <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's relate. Yeah, because you have no choice but to take action. So I love that. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad you said that you're a fan of that because otherwise I would have been like, oh, that's awkward. <laughs> yeah, I totally, I teach it. I'm a huge fan of it. Next audience question, Amy, is how do you keep your digital course alive and interesting after your launch? Ooh, okay. So let's talk about this because the way I teach it in Digital Course Academy is that you're going to do a live launch the first time out, meaning that you open your cart and or open enrollment. And then for about seven to 10 days, you are promoting it and then you close the cart. And the reason for that is to create scarcity and urgency. I believe that human nature is to procrastinate and wait and say, I'll get it later. So if it's available all the time, people tend to say, well, I'll get that at a later date. And then they never do. And so having this period of time where it is open, we are ready, you are live, you're engaging, like you said, you can have those conversations in the chats, you can find out what's working for people, what they need, you can pivot. Like these live launches, they're just as much about you being able to do some special things, as well as there's a higher perceived value when you're live. So people are more likely to buy. Now, that doesn't mean you always have to do live launches. I love my students to do at least two. And then they tend to want to go to evergreen. When something is evergreen, that means your webinars are automated, your email sequence is automated. People can buy it any day. But with an evergreen launch, you still tend to add some scarcity and urgency, which is just a a special way of putting together a campaign. But my point of this is that when you are live launching, how do you keep the, the program interesting in between? You don't really need to. It's not for sale. But what you do is between launches, you work on growing your email list. You engage with your audience. You build trust. I always say the most important time in your business is when you are not launching because you are focused on building your audience. So the next time you launch, you have more people to market to. Um, but when you're evergreen and let's say, how do you keep things fresh and new? I think it's more so of one, just working on your marketing, maybe playing around with your webinar, adding some Instagram reels or something new and trendy just to kind of spark things. But as for the course, typically I say once a year, update your course. Once a year, you'll want to probably refine it, make it better, update it, whatever you want to do. So the last thing I'll say is you don't need to do more than that, meaning you don't need to keep your course interesting 
when you are not launching because you're attracting new people that is new to them, which means it's interesting to them. So as long as you're connecting with your audience and adding new people, you're golden. Beautiful. And I think so often because we're so deep in it, we think like, oh, this is so boring. It's stale. Why would anyone care? But somebody who's new to your business, they haven't seen it before. They're like, oh, this is brand new and exciting and shiny. So exactly. I could, I could probably say that I say the same things 10 times a week, but I, that used to make me self-conscious. Like, oh my gosh, I keep saying the same thing. People are going to get so tired of it. And then I was taught by a mentor that I fully believe, I've seen it in action, that just because you're saying it 10 times does not mean your audience is hearing it 10 times. And if they hear it a few times, that's good because people tend to need to hear it a few times before they take action. So if you feel like a broken record, you, my friend, are onto something. Yes. I think I got this tip from you where it was something like, you know, like you might say it seven times and it's only on that seventh time that they actually hear it and that it actually sticks. Yeah. I think I heard that from you. Yes. One million percent. Awesome. Last audience question for you, Amy. And I love this question. I I thought about how would I answer this? And I, I really would, I struggle with this one. How do you believe that online success is possible for yourself? How do I believe that online success is possible for me? Or for how can somebody believe that online success is possible for themselves? Oh, I love this. Okay. So the way you believe is that you adopt the motto, why not me? Because if you look around and you see other people having success online, I can guarantee They've had imposter syndrome. They've looked in the mirror and thought, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I can guarantee they're from all walks of life. And if they can do it, you can too. And and that's really genuinely what I want you to remind yourself of that every single day. And if really the only way that this will work for you, meaning becoming an online entrepreneur, the only way that you can fail is if you actually stop trying. Because if you stay with it and you are showing up and you're consistent and you're putting yourself out there, my friend, you cannot lose. I've never seen it happen before. But take the expectation that it should have happened already or you're slower than the rest. Let's strip those out and just say, why not me? And then I want you to get a little bit fierce and I want you to look in the mirror and say, I'll show you. I'll show you. All those people that might not think you can do it are like, what is she doing? Like, who does she think she's is putting that stuff out there? I was very worried about what people in my life thought of me when I first started putting blog posts and podcasts and videos out in the world. I was very afraid what my old coworkers would think, which is uh, Jasmine Starr, my dear friend, said, they ain't paying the bills. And <laughs> right. So just show them. Say, I'll show you and then get to work. Be a racehorse. Put your head down. Put your blinders on. Don't look left and right. Look forward. You've got this. And what a wonderful note to end this beautiful interview on. Amy, you have been an absolute gem. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with my listeners. And your webinar, This when this episode goes live, your webinar will be in a week's time, which is very exciting. Uh, I will be there live. <laughs> I will definitely be in one of the Australian friendly time slots live because 
I'm so excited. This is a new one that you haven't taught before. And every time you teach a webinar, it's like you just over deliver. You teach so much. And I always walk away with my mind just slightly blown, which is awesome. So I will post the links to the webinar. I'll post the link to your website and your Instagram. And is there anything that you would love to leave our listeners with before we wrap this up? I would just like to remind your listeners that you already have a digital course in you. And the only thing that's different between a successful digital course creator and someone who hasn't had a successful digital course is that they either haven't started or they believe that they're not good enough. And you are good enough. You can do this. Why not you? So all you need to do is take the first steps to get started. And when my masterclass opens up, I really do hope you'll join me there because I can promise you I will inspire you and give you clarity to help you get started. Amazing. Thank you so much, Amy. You have been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. There we go. The fabulous Amy Porterfield. Isn't she just incredible? She is an absolute wisdom, a wisdom chest, like a treasure chest of wisdom. (laughs) Um, So if you want to register for Amy's free masterclass that's happening next week, the five little known mistakes that most course creators make and what you can do instead, head to stephtaylor.co forward slash Amy masterclass, all one word, Amy masterclass to register for that, or you can find the link in the show notes and click on that instead. I hope to see you there in one of the sessions next week. I'll be showing up for sure because every time Amy teaches something, you know you're going to learn something amazing. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Catch you next time.